Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Happy February. We're a little late with this pod, but we're just so busy. We apologize. This is coming out on a Wednesday or Thursday instead of our normal Tuesday. But we hope well, it'll be worth the wait. We've given you enough, okay? We've, <laughs> we've gone. We've put our blood, Ooh. sweat, and tears. You can wait for a day or two, you guys. Today we have a special guest. My puppy Liam is in the office. He's like knocked out. Dead to the world though right now because... Oh, he's having like a little puppy dream. Aww. He's like moving his little arms. That's cute. He had his temperament test at a daycare today. So he, for the first time... You think time, that like tired him out? Oh, absolutely. Because oh, nice. he was playing dogs for like oh. three hours. Oh, was that long? Yeah. But yeah, it was a longer temperament test because they want their staff to get to know him and then they want him to, like, they want to see how he is with other dogs. They, need, they need to make sure that he's not aggressive. They need to make sure he's not too shy, that he's like a good... Wait, you were there the whole time? No, 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 no. I dropped him off and then, no, they actually don't want you there. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I took advantage and he needed his nails trimmed. So I was like, can you groom him too? Thanks. Oh, they do that too? <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, it's an nice. extra cost, but... No, 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 but they I mean, do that's that. nice. Yeah. They hmm. board him and everything too, so it's a... They were really nice, so I'm really excited. I signed up for like a package because it's like cheaper if you buy more sessions than just like one. Oh, at a like time. you're doing it, like it's happening. It's happening. Oh, nice. He needs some socialization. You know, when he comes in the office, he gets people socialization, but he needs dog friends. Yeah, doggy. Maybe he'll make friends that need playdates. I'm sure. <laughs> and there's like all sorts of different dogs. Are yeah, there puppies. Or? Yeah, there's several puppies. Oh, that's good. There's actually a husky puppy. Oh, really? A little bit older than him, but so hard because huskies like they should be in alaska here it's just it gets too hot i mean they're beautiful dogs but i feel like they get too hot here but he's only part so i think he'll be no i know i think he'll be fine but i'm just saying like when i see huskies yeah they just that coat is just so gotta have air conditioning i guess like yeah a lot yeah we'll see how he does in the summer he's gonna need to be shaved i'm sure that would actually be really funny to see him shaved we'll probably look similar to how he looks now because his long hair hasn't come in yet Oh, really? It's That's winter, though. Coat. That's not his winter coat. No, 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 because all the breeds that he is, all, like, the puppies have a lot shorter. Like, mm. the coat has to come in, mm. even though it's winter. So I think that's why, like, either he's just like me or, like, he will not go outside and it's cold or windy or rainy. He's a drama king. You should get sure. him a vest. <laughs> I thought about getting him a sweater and then everyone's yeah. like, he's poor Husky. He's fine with the cold. And I'm like, but not when he doesn't have his thick coat yet. That's funny. Maybe he will. Maybe I'll get him an IEP sweatshirt. <laughs> well, he's the worst guest because he's asleep. So, I know. Uh... <laughs> Maybe we'll post a picture for you guys since we've been talking about him. Yeah. Maybe Vicky will show you a picture of, of Blair soon too. Only when she can <laughs> consent. Everybody's like obsessed that I haven't. Like, do you know those people that don't have a Facebook and then you're like, why don't you have a Facebook? And then oh, it yeah. make, automatically makes you weird. I had like plans, like you see on my phone, I have like a hundred pictures, always as if I'm posting on Instagram or Facebook, and then I never do it. And it's been my little social experiment. People are super, they get really enraged. So, and it's like, I've sent it to anybody who's asked, right. like, but people are weird. There's a lot of mom shaming. Maybe I'll have an episode on that because that's a whole new world. And 
I hear that all the time from like your fr- yeah. our friends, but yeah. that have go to daycares or that are working moms getting mom shamed for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's another episode for another day. <laughs> Today we're actually talking about good news. <laughs> Today we're actually yeah we're talking about preschool. So I know that obviously we in California had our governor's race. And one of the candidates, obviously the winner, Gavin Newsom, he what one of the things that I was drawn to about him was his pitch for universal preschool. So right now, preschool is not something that has to be mandatorily given to preschool children. Yeah, we don't have compulsory preschool laws and we don't have universal preschool in California, students actually don't have to legally start school until they're six years old, which in many cases, the kid's already in first grade. But there's like a cutoff and I don't actual date on the top of my head. But like, you know, you realistically, it's usually like five years old. They start kindergarten. But there's some kids that are six. Yeah, it was like I had to wait a full year because I had a December birthday. And so then I was one of the first to turn six in kindergarten. But then I feel like it's changed because like my cousin like several years later, it was like four and a half and was fine. Like it was just weird. It's like where your birthday falls, right? Yeah. Well, plus they have some school districts have TK programs and some school districts have preschool programs. So there's definitely a lot of disparity across the state and across the nation, of course. But today we're going to talk primarily about California, but nowhere across the country are there, you know, compulsory preschool laws or are there requirements for school districts to provide preschool programs? So some school districts have put it up against themselves to provide it for low-income families. Some have it for anyone that wants it. Of course, for special education, preschool from the age of three for a child that has an IEP and that is required. What we see in the majority of school districts, though, however, is that they don't have gen ed preschool. They only have special education preschool. So if a child is not appropriate fit for a special education class, SDC class, the parents have to decide, well, do I want to start them off their educational career in an SEC class or do I just pay for it myself? And we see a number of families that go off and pay for themselves. So it's definitely a huge problem where there's so many families who cannot afford preschool. But we know, I mean, the research is abundantly clear that early intervention for any kid is imperative and especially our kids with special needs it's so important i mean birth to three is huge right their brains are like a sponge but then three to five is huge so we have this problem and it's been something that there's been people in california that have been fighting for a number of years and finally we have this governor that's not just all talk he actually put out his proposed budget for california and in this proposed budget he is allocating 1.8 billion dollars on early intervention so today we're going to talk kind of about some of the programs that he's proposing and part of the reason we want to tell you guys about this is one so you can be aware but two this is going to be something that is going to need a lot of support because there's going to be pushbacks we're going to get people on the other side who are not going to want to spend this kind of money on early intervention who are going to say well parents should be paying for this it shouldn't be something that's free so it's important that if you feel like early intervention is important and that this is something that we should have universal preschool you know we ask that you you know contact governor's office or contact your local representative, your state representative, and say, you know, this is something that we really want because the more people, the more parents, the more even, not even parents, just anyone in the cross of state who feels it's important, share it. And if you're not in California, 
take a look at like what Gavin Newsom is doing because this could be kind of a starter place for other states. You could pitch this to your governor. Um, so we think it's definitely relevant. So his like focus for education is closing the gap between children from affluent and poor families. So that's a big part of what he wants to spend this money on is programs that are designed to boost the state's enrollment in early education and child care programs. So it's really looking at how can we bridge this readiness gap that exists based on families' income. So we have families that can afford preschool and childcare. They're getting a lot of early intervention and they come to preschool a lot of times already knowing their letters, their numbers. That's a huge gap from someone who can't go to preschool and starts kindergarten without this basic fundamentals. I mean, even families who say, okay, well, we have, you know, the grandma or a family taking care of the child. There's only so much that can be done in a home setting. A lot of families do a lot of early intervention, but it's expensive. I mean, these are programs that it requires time and expense and expertise. And I mean, a state-run preschool program will only work if it is accessible by all. So you want it to be done correctly so that, you know, middle-class children, not just low-income families, and even the wealthier families send their children because then that's a you know, a significant positive effect, right? You're including all children so that, you know, I think the saying is all boats like rise in a tide or whatever. It's something like that where it's just like, look, if the water is kind of increasing, all the boats get to come up. And I think that that's the premise behind wanting to have this universal preschool. Absolutely. And I can already hear our haters talking because, <laughs> you know, I've definitely heard this with early intervention well, with education in general, right? We have a political campaign or we have an election where education is always put on the back burner. And that I've been told many times by people, well, it's not as important as an issue as taxes or immigration or, uh, you know, gun control or whatnot. And I would argue that education is the most important thing because education affects everything. It affects a child's ability to become a full-fledged member of society. It affects their ability to have a job, to take care of themselves, to care for others, to run this country. I mean, the kids of this next generation are the ones that are going to be taking care of us when we're old. So to say that it's not an important thing, I mean, it is the important thing. And I hear people say all the time, well, you know, if someone's going to have a child, they should have to pay for their child, right? So why should the state taxpayer dollars pay for preschool when, you know, you should, when you decide to have a child, you should have to pay for it, right? And I hate that argument because it's like, well, no, education is a right that children have. Why is it that we have this arbitrary starting at five, starting at six, right? Why is it that we've decided the, the right to an education only starts there? It should start earlier. Yeah. And in childcare costs are already so high. And if we've kind of, we had a, a pod about, remember in Colorado, they were going down to like a four day school week. And like, they were talking about how like, oh, that's going to affect a lot of families that, you know, I mean, yes, it's school, but it's a form of daycare, right? Like instead of paying for, you're going to pick up my kid from two and then I get home at 530, you know, just paying for a couple hours of a sitter, having a whole day, you know, I think that that affects a lot of middle class and obviously everybody, all families. And I think that being able to have the emphasis on early intervention, Amanda and I are always, you know, big advocates in our argument to some of the more fiscally conservative individuals are for the special needs children is if we give early intervention and we can improve on the social skills and we can improve on pragmatics and their academics and things like that, 
you know, we're going to have productive members of society. You're not going to have them on disability where they'd be on disability from 18 to like 90. Right. I mean, I'd rather give money from three to 18 or 22 than the other way. Well, and even with general education students, I mean, across the board, you're going to have less dropout rates in high school and the school to prison pipeline disappears. So talking about the daycare aspect of it that you mentioned kind of brings in an important point about the proposal from Governor Newsom is that one of his biggest portions of the plan is to call for not just preschool in general, but a full day preschool, because we do have state funded programs. We have Head Start. We have for very low income families. Unfortunately, some of these programs to qualify, you have to be so under the poverty line that there's so many families that don't qualify for that, but still can't afford these private preschools. So and then the other problem with some of these state funded programs that already exist is that they're half day programs. So when we talk about like a school day is from eight to two and the parent already has to deal with from two to five. Well, these preschool programs are three hours. Okay, how does that work? Not to mention the fact that that's not really giving a substantial day for a child to learn this early invention. So what's being proposed is that not only do we have universal preschool, but full day preschool. And he even goes further, calling for the implementation of universal kindergarten, because there are also a huge number of kindergartens in the state of California that are public schools that are half day. That is true. That you have got the early birds and the late comer. But and so even kindergarten, you only have three hours. And what an inconvenience for families to have to come after three hours. But not only that, I mean, the amount of substance you can get in three hours versus six, it's a huge difference. And I've dealt with a couple of districts in, in the last few years that have transitioned from half day to full day kindergarten. And they've already seen a huge growth in how much of that readiness for school can be built into just having a full day instead of a half day. So that's a big important thing is that it's so, you know, one factor is wanting to make sure that all kids can go to preschool and have early intervention. But then the second part is that, you know, it's going to be a full day. So it's going to be more of a substantial. So, you know, you would have you're keeping parents in the workforce and you're also providing high quality preschool education. So now that's two generations that are being impacted in a positive way. And I think that that is what our governor sees. And I think that that's why he, and I think he was like the only one that really had like a plan. He was the only one that even really mentioned it or mentioned education, which is crazy considering there's over 7 million students in the state of California, but. So, you know, that's a huge thing. So he's looking at a three-year kind of rollout for some of these programs, which is great because, you know, some proposals for programs would be like, oh, it's like 10 years or, you know, three years would really have a great impact. And so I know that there's a number of bills going through the state legislature as well trying to fight for this. So it's not just the governor. There's certainly a good portion of our legislature that is pushing for this. But it's nice to have the backing of the governor and that it's not just something that will go through the legislature and then the governor will just veto. Right. So we've got this universal support. And the fact that he's having such a comprehensive plan, it's not just, oh, let's do universal like Looking at the proposed budget and what he's proposing in his plan, it really is more substantial than just saying this is an interest of mine. So you can tell that he's done his research and he's looked at like what is needed. And 
I'll say that, you know, not only is this something that's going to really help with all students across the board, but I mean, our students with special needs, it's going to be a huge difference because we talk a lot about once you're in a special day class, it's so difficult to get out. And part of the problem of why so many kids are placed in special day classes is because when they're made eligible at the age of three, the school district doesn't have a preschool program for general education students. They may be a student with just a speech and language impairment, or there may be some behaviors. It may be a student that could function in a gen ed preschool, but because there's no gen ed preschool, the school district only proposes the special day class. Family can't afford a private school, so they go, okay, fine. But then the minute that kid goes, steps foot in that special day class, it's all over. They're having a lower curriculum, lowered expectations. They're in a classroom without positive peer models. They're seeing the behaviors of the other students. And of course, this isn't for all students, but for a good amount of students, we see had they been placed in a gen ed preschool to begin with, it's more likely they could have been in a gen ed kindergarten and then a gen ed first grade. And we're looking at that least restrictive environment. So it's a huge impact because early intervention is not just important. It's also early placement. Yeah. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, you know, why are we still segregating, you know, special education children and, you know, the state of affairs as they are now, reason that sometimes there are children that need more support. And so these special day classrooms, especially like preschool classrooms, they have two aides, they have, you know, different levels of kiddos that they can work with. But sometimes you'll have a kiddo that is, you know, the higher functioning and he kind of or she becomes an island of one. And that's what we try to avoid. And I think that's pretty much like where Amanda's going with it. And because we don't have the universal, you know, preschool, that's why, you know, school districts say, look, we just have the special day kid. We have all or special day class. We have all the supports and services. They're only in this class. You know, we can't offer you anything else. And it's kind of like either take it or leave it. And it's difficult because, you know, sometimes parents can get stuck on that track. And that's it's a difficult decision because you want your child to get those supports and services. But you also want them to be around typical peers, especially that young. Right. Well, and those families, when their child is three, they're just getting to the IEP process. And what often is being told to them by the school district administrators is, our special day class preschool is geared towards preparing them for gen ed and kindergarten. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that in an IEP meeting. And guess what happens if the parent decides, okay, I'm going to go for it. The minute they go to their IEP transitioning to kindergarten, they say, not ready. I thought your whole program was designed to prepare for gen ed and kindergarten, but it in effect doesn't do that. And so, you know, and of course, this is an issue with, you know, families that we always say, gosh, if a family could come to us in the ideal situation, it would be that situation. Let us help you at the very beginning because that is setting the foundation for the rest of their career, where they're placed at the very beginning. And so, of course, if and we're faced with a situation where the school district at the age of three is doing an assessment and the child has never been in an educational setting. So, of course, they may have behaviors or, of course, they may not be independent. Right. So imagine if that child being assessed had already been in an educational setting. We're getting just better information. Because the school district, they go and they do one hour of an observation, not even in a school setting half the time. So we have no information about how they would do it. It's a guess. Sometimes parents will get to the district at three 
because the regional center here in California, we have the regional centers, have been involved with the child. So you have a child, you know, now I think it's as early as 18 months that they're diagnosing on the spectrum. And, you know, you get this diagnosis and then they give you information for the regional center. Then regional center comes in and they're trying to provide, you know, certain services. You know, it's minimal, but it's something. And... Then by the time the child's two and a half, so let's say 18 months, then you're getting it until the child's two and a half. And then that's when regional center goes, okay, it's going to be the district, you know, and then the district, like Amanda said, is doing these evaluations that aren't necessarily in a school setting because the child's not in school yet. And then, you know, they kind of put together the report. They determine the services. Sometimes regional center kind of bows out because they're like, okay, somebody else took over. And then you're left with trying to, right, they start decreasing their services. And then, you know, you're not necessarily getting those same amount of services from the school district, mostly because a lot of the programs claim to have those services embedded. So you don't want or, oh, the child at this age doesn't have an attention span more than 15 minutes. So you're getting speech and language twice a week for 15 minutes each session. And you would think, Oh, my God, they were getting speech and language for an hour with regional center. Like, I don't understand how are we going to have. So there's a multiple. There's so many different layers. Right. And that's why, you know, for us being able to Amanda, especially having seen that all inclusive school work and imagine if it was even earlier, you know, in the preschool setting that the children, you know, band together and help that other child and that peer modeling that's there. And that's why I was excited to kind of see that Gavin, I'm on a first name basis now that Gavin really was focusing on that. Yeah, it's exciting to have a governor that cares this much about education and it's putting his words into action. Of course, we still have a long way to go. You know, there may be some things on the ballot that we have to deal with. There may be some things where we have to call our local representatives. One thing that an article I read was talking about was that, of course, education was not the only thing in his platform, right? He talked about expanding healthcare. And a lot of people are saying, well, in reality, when a governor or president, you know, gets into office, they have all these dreams, right? And what's going to be the first thing that this happened, right? He's putting together his budget, but is this really going to be put forward right away? So what people are saying is that one of his other, his second biggest or his other biggest platform promise was to figure out health care. But what they're saying is the cost for what he's proposing for health care is so much more expansive than what he's proposing for education that because the education changes are so much more feasible, it's likely that those will happen first. So that's good news for us. It means that, you know, he put together his proposal for the budget. And of course, the legislature has to approve it. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're in February of 2019. We're dealing with needing the legislature to approve his budget. And then we're going to act on it. So we're hopeful that this three-year plan, this three-year rollout starts right away. And my work on the Orange County Council, we've been hearing tidbits about this going through the legislature for the last six months. So it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts that's already been in the back burner. So the fact that it's not just him, I think, means that we'll see some traction pretty soon. So as we go along, as we get more updates, we're going to update you guys. But of course, if you guys are you know, able to, please call your local representative. Say, you know what? We heard that Gavin knew- and call his office, too. Hey, we heard about your proposed budget, your proposed plan. We support it fullheartedly. What can we do to help? And if you're not in California, urge your governor to support a plan like this. Yeah, it's nice to see, or if there's already 
people that are out there listening that there's pilot programs or their state already does it, yeah, let us know. We probably should have Googled that really quickly, but it's been a hectic week. But yeah, we would love to hear kind of how it was implemented and how it's working. For us, early intervention is everything. And we've come across so many different clients, those who have the means and can do the early intervention. And those who have used, you know, the IHSS, have used the regional center to get, you know, the early intervention. And I think, what is it, the Easter Seals is like a vendor out here that the regional centers use. And just having that has made all the difference for some of these kiddos. And then, you know, we see the kids that, you know, don't get that early intervention. And it's rough because if we could just get it as early as possible. I think, yeah, there's commercials, right? It's like talk, read, sing. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter the age, any kid. Like California has, you know, funding for that. There's commercials. And then it's like, you know, California for whatever.org. Like, look at, you know, we're trying to encourage, but you know, we get it. Like not all child care places have that child development emphasis. And you're just trying to find somebody to watch your kid while you go to work. Well, and if the cost is 2000 right. a month versus 500, 500 yeah. and you can't possibly afford 2000 you can't even make that choice of, oh, this is they deal with developmental. They, you know, read to them. It's tough. I mean, you look at some preschools that are teaching writing letters and stuff as early as like six months. Yeah. Uh, they have like yoga in South County. Okay. I was talking to mom and she was telling me, she was like, oh, you have to go to this like child care center. They do. Yoga. I'm like, yeah, it must be nice. Like I can't afford that. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be cool. Like my kid could do yoga, but like it just doesn't. And, you know, we could get into that. I know we had a posting on our social media about meditation being used in schools and things like that. And we're all for finding new ways and that kind of multi-sensory approach to learning. Well, I mean, that's one of those things where when we talk about like immediately you think, oh, a daycare center that is doing yoga, it probably is really expensive. When you really think about how much it would cost to really just teach, incorporate yoga into any childcare, it would be so cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so easy for someone to learn the basic. I mean, like any person who goes there could take a class. It would be so easy. Well, and that's one of the things when we look at early intervention and we look at, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that things are expensive. And, you know, training goes a long way. There's so much out there online. And it's pre-academics. It's not, we're not expecting these kids to learn their ABCs and all that. Like, yes, some child care or child development programs or preschools like do emphasize that. And that's all great. But yeah, it's learning to learn. Like, this is what circle time is for. And this is, you know, how, you know, we introduce ourselves and things like that. Like, we're just trying to prep them. And I think that's what a lot of the transitional kindergartners, when they feel like the child may not have matured or be ready for regular kindergarten, you know, some of these schools have the transitional kindergarten. And I've heard that that has been super helpful. I know, obviously, LAUSC, one of the bigger school districts has that. And it does make a difference in a lot of these children's lives, you know, just having that extra kind of year. And I know you've had some of your clients take their time. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, certain kids that had intensive intervention, like the parents have gone above and beyond during the first couple years, it, it makes a huge difference. And I mean, when we look at you know, and a big push for this program is going to be, you know, for low income families. And 
I mean, realistically, at this point, low-income families includes, like, probably, I mean, half the state or more. Like, Oh, remember when we saw the statistics? It's like in Orange County, it could be considered low-income. A family of four that makes (laughs) $80,000, like, just with the rate of, like, it's just, like, crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, like, we're talking about a huge chunk of the population in California. When you think about if we're preparing the kid for kindergarten and first grade— the likelihood of them needing support in kindergarten and first grade is a lot lower. Because when you think about it, kids start to struggle in kindergarten and first grade, partially because if they don't get early intervention, but also because maybe they didn't get the early intervention, but then they need support with homework at home. Oh, yeah. And the parents have to work. And they're working long hours. There's not as much time to spend on homework. I think it's Duke University that like came out with the study a couple of years ago where it was just like homework is like pointless. Middle school it's like a wash. High school is where you definitely need that. But it's not to say that, you know, homework shouldn't be provided. I know a lot of my parents want homework and they just want certain things to be able to practice at home. Well, and it's about having the child do independent work, right? It's putting the what they're learning into practice. But I mean, we see schools like Fusion, for example, who embed the homework, like their homework cafe, into the school day. So you could still do that embedded practice into the school day. And we see some schools now doing study halls that are longer or, you know, every student can go into a study skills class where, I mean, it's basically like any kid can go into it. And yeah, you know, which is great because, you know, that's important. But we do see schools that put a lot of pressure on what parents have to do at home. And unfortunately, some of these families aren't able to do that. And the kids suffers. So if we can give a little bit more support at the beginning of their educational career, they're less likely to need that support after school. They really are. I mean, one of these kids that we're going to give universal preschool to will be the next president. I don't like saying stuff like that anymore. Maybe can we say that can cure cancer? Like, I feel like that's more extraordinary. That's than well, that's being well, that's present. true, actually. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to say, yeah. (laughs) We're excited about this. Yeah, we'll keep you updated and it'll be interesting. If he doesn't leave to try to run for president. It's like a big thing that everybody's... Who? Gavin. Oh, yeah. People are like, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. I mean, he said he wasn't. At least not yet. I mean... He, he needs to put together this way. Well, I know. <laughs> Don't they all? It's I political. Yeah. But if you're in our Facebook group or you're not, please get in it. If you have a story about early intervention that you've done or a story about needing it, please feel free to share with us on our page. You know, we'd love to hear some stories. Or if, you know, you have a plight where you really want to see it happen. You have a young child that you really feel like would have benefited from it. Liam is like so dead asleep right now. His tongue is out. Yeah. He's like wanting to bark. It's like really funny. Anyway. <laughs> he must be having a dream. I'll but yes, post this. please share with us. And we promise we will have an on-time episode next week. Mm, I make no promises. <laughs> Just kidding. Next week, actually, we should have a guest on. So if you're sick of hearing us, we're back to guests. We've got a couple lined up um, that are pretty exciting. So we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.